This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Listen, I'm not worried about the fans. I'm worried about Bam Bam Bigelow. Bam Bam Bigelow is not going to be known as the man that lost to Lawrence Taylor in WrestleMania 11. This is my world, Lawrence Taylor, not yours. I'm going to teach him a lesson. Where's old takes exposed when you need it? Yeah, poor Bam Bam. Poor Bam Bam. This is WrestleMania Rewind. We're going to dive in in just a second as part of the Mackie and Judd podcast feed. But a quick thank you to DennisKirk.com for supporting Score North and Mackie and Judd. It's but a pretty crazy 90-day period there. The one thing you can still be certain about is riding your motorcycle. And Dennis Kirk is here to make sure that your motorcycle is running and looking its best. DennisKirk.com is a Minnesota-based worldwide retailer of parts, accessories, and apparel for avid bikers of all kinds. Whether you ride a Harley, a Cruiser, a sport bike, a dirt bike, or any other type of motorcycle, they've got what you need. Over 160,000 products in stock and ready to ship today. DennisKirk.com. Order by 8 p.m., Get it tomorrow. $89 orders ship free. Again, that's DennisKirk.com. And now, WrestleMania 11. This year, starring Baywatch's Pamela Anderson. Home Improvement's Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Why? MTV's Jennifer McCarthy. NYPD Blues' Nicholas Torturo. <laughs> With special musical guests, Salt and Pepper. And featuring Lawrence Taylor's All-Pro Team. Welcome once again, everyone. Vince McMahon here along with Jerry the King Lawler. We would like to thank our loyal fans for once again joining us at WrestleMania. So you had to splice that together. This I is, did. This is the first WrestleMania. Phil Mackey, Declan Goff here as we continue through our quest to review. It was going to be all of the WrestleManias. We are now in negotiations to do like a bunch of WrestleManias and then stop at some point when it gets to like WrestleMania 30 and yeah. circle back on like big time pay-per-views like Hell in a Cell stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you had to splice that intro gets the first intro in several WrestleManias that we didn't get. Welcome everyone. Ah, it's McMahon because his mic wasn't working in the ring when they jumped into the arena. Uh, this is the first, this is the first, like really, really bad. Like you could feel it. WrestleMania in history. WrestleMania nine was bad, but they were at Caesar's Palace yeah. in, in Las Vegas. And WrestleMania two was bad, but the new. This was the first WrestleMania where you're like, oh, the company is in rough shape yes. right now. One hundred percent. It's not a sellout, even though they kept saying jam packed. Jam packed. Uh, it wasn't a sellout. They only had like eight matches on the card. The card itself was only like two and a half hours. Right. And they just like they needed celebrities to try and save this thing with at the time in the mid 90s, Pam Anderson and Jenny McCarthy were like 
the two yes. posters on guys' <laughs> walls, right? You had uh, Pam Anderson from Baywatch, Jenny McCarthy from Singled Out on MTV. Jonathan Taylor Thomas was one of the biggest child actor stars on the planet as part of Home Improvement in the 90s. Yeah. And then, like, Lawrence Taylor and all those football. Like, Reggie White was in the right. middle of WrestleMania. Honestly, the, the, the kid from Home Improvement did not belong. Everything else worked. What do you mean, like, Jonathan Taylor Thomas? I, I I know I I know Home Improvement. It just it didn't. It seemed like a reach. Like you got these you got these. One's a popular like Playboy star. The other is a very known TV star. It obviously was that they they knew the demographic they were getting, and then they threw in a little kid just as like all right, yeah, well, we'll the kids. They're trying to get the kid uh, uh, demographic. God. So this WrestleMania took place on April second, nineteen ninety five, inside Hartford Civic Center in Hartford, Connecticut, <laughs> in front of just sixteen thousand three hundred five fans. So there's so many places to go here. Um, let's just start with your favorite part <laughs> about. Perhaps the worst WrestleMania of all time. Well, I love how the first scene after, you know, they're trying to get the mics to work is just this great Stridex gum, uh, gum blimp. Yes. Because there's nothing more <laughs> 90s gum than Stridex. Like, right. it, it, like that and Juicy Fruit is when I think about like 90s gum. I think those two. So they're trying to get these mics to work and you're just like, oh, my God, how and Mac, McMahon's on play by play. But if McMahon was behind the scenes, how ape? Bleep! Do you think Vince McMahon would be going? Oh I'm sure God. he was going yes. ape bleep, trying Biggest to show figure it out. Year. Yeah, and you can tell, and just in the intro, and welcome to WrestleMania 11. Like you could just hear the frustration in his yep. voice. At one point, he throws back to NYPD Blue Star guy Nick something yeah, or another, right? For sure. Yep, and he's doing the behind the scenes interviews, and he's trying to track down Pam Anderson, and that's going to be a thing throughout the whole yeah. night. And his mic doesn't work right away. <laughs> yeah. And Vince McMahon, when they get back to the commentary desk, Vince McMahon refers to like, well, that's our crack audio staff at it yeah. once again. <laughs> yeah. You know that like nine people got fired, fired. right after that show. 1,000%. And four of them might have died. Yeah. We're not exactly sure. Yeah, I, I even wrote down, he had a nervous laugh tick throughout this entire thing, Vince did. So it was yes. probably the only thing, because he was physically on camera and on microphone, that he couldn't be going typical Vince McMahon AWOL when something yes. wasn't going according to plan. If you're, uh, in terms of... The most, my favorite moment, I guess, for if I have to choose, I actually really enjoyed the Owen Hart and Yokozuna versus the Guns. Yeah, I didn't know. First off, I thought that was Billy Gunn. I wasn't. I wasn't one hundred percent sold. That's Billy Gunn dressed as a cowboy with a mustache. Yeah, and, bullets. and Bart Gunn. I guess uh, I didn't know yeah. Bart Gunn. No, Bart Gunn. Bart Gunn didn't quite reach the heights <laughs> that Billy Gunn did. Both of them, though, <laughs> reminded me of uh, some Hardy Boys. They were doing like some high-flying stuff, and I was like, yeah. what, who are these guys? Like, I, like, I feel like I would have gravitated or remembered some of these dudes, and I thought, all right, I think that's Billy Gunn, but I'm not 100% certain if it was. And then Owen Hart coming out and calling out Yokozuna as his like surprise partner. Yeah. So I do think there was some cool little intrigue in there, but I, it, you're you're grasping at straws in terms of the highlights from a WrestleMania 11. I love just to piggyback off of that match specifically. Uh, the the fact that Owen Hart and Billy Gunn became such huge parts of the Attitude Era going forward, right? Which I, actually that's my favorite part of this WrestleMania was even more like WrestleMania 10 had some Attitude Era seeds being planted with Shawn Michaels and. The ladder match and like you just, all right, you see some violence creeping in here to WWE <laughs> for the first time. And then WrestleMania 11, it was more the people involved. You could see Attitude Era roots being planted here with The Undertaker, obviously, but Owen Hart, Billy Gunn. Um, you also had um, Diesel, like like if you want to compare it to like what was happening in WCW, you had Razor Ramon. And, and Diesel, yeah. both as part of this. One, two, three, kid, too. One, two, three, kid, yes. And Sean Waltman, Xbox, so he was in the, he was there, too. Yep. And 
Jeff Jarrett's guy was um, was road, the road dog. dog Jesse James. So, That's like, what I was you're right. For, yep. So there was the personnel was there. Yeah, you had like you had uh, pretty much everyone from Degeneration X except Triple H was a part of this WrestleMania. Yeah, for the first yeah. time, and and Triple H was, and we'll get to some of the notes from loyal listener Mike. But Triple H was part of WWF by this point, but he was just getting started mm-hmm. and just coming over from WCW. Yeah, the main storylines were Diesel had become the champion, and Shawn Michaels was still in the championship hunt, and Bret Hart was kind of Bret Hart was still in the championship hunt, but he was on a hiatus here to wrestle against Bob Backlund. Oh, which let's get I to know. my my least yeah, favorite yeah. part yeah, of the WrestleMania ahead, 11. Right, there's a lot of these. <laughs> so Bob Backlund was actually the WWF champion, heavyweight champion. For five years, between 1978 and 1983. Okay. And then okay. Hulk Hogan came along. Like, Iron Sheik won it, and then Hulk Hogan came along and mm-hmm. was the champion for basically, like, the entire decade, right? But Bob Backlund helped carry the WWF in the late 70s, early 1980s. And he hadn't been relevant. So this is 1995. Like, he hadn't been relevant in 12 or 15 years by this point. And they brought him in. Because they were just low on talent and workers, and they thought, like, we can turn Bob Backlund into kind of a weird bad guy and do these submission matches. And so they do an I quit match, kind of an innovative concept. Like, it's, right. it's, it's a submission match, and you must say I quit. And later on, we had some famous I quit matches oh, yeah. in the Attitude Era with, like, The Rock and Mick Foley, right? Yeah, great ones. But Bob Backlund is so clunky by this point. <sighs> He's not interesting. He's just sort of a weird worker. And he doesn't even say, I quit into the microphone. He just like yelled things. Yeah. Ah, and Roddy Piper, the guest referee, just ended the match. What do you say? What do you say, Bob? Bob, what do you say? It's like, all right, um, I don't know what to make of this. And right. Bret Hart, in articles and interviews in years after this, he said that this was probably his worst ever singles WrestleMania oh, match. Wow. Nine minutes. It probably, if it's an I quit match, if it's a good submission match, probably should go more than nine minutes. Yep. In WrestleMania 12. They did an Iron Man match, and we're going to do that next week with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, where they went an hour and just, I don't know, like Bret Hart having like the fourth longest match, fifth longest match on the card in the middle of his prime against Mm -hmm. Bob Backlund is just kind of a, that was my least favorite part about this Yeah, and that match for my notes, I wrote, Bob. first off, Bob Backlund is just the worst. (laughs) And then then I put, felt like a waste of Bret Hart. And I think both those statements very much hold true. Like yeah, Bret Hart totally is. Yeah, Bret Hart is. You know, yes, he's 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 on the downward trend. We're getting closer to the Montreal screw job, and when he jumps to WCW, but technically speaking, and you know, his his moniker, best there is, best there was, best there ever will be, is at the pinnacle of of his height. Yeah. And you throw him against Bob Backlund in a nine minute I quit match with also Dude. Roddy Piper coming back to referee it. Yeah. Well, let's go through some of this because, like, to piggyback off of that. This match only had this this card only had seven matches, okay? Seven matches at a WrestleMania, and it wasn't like twenty minute epics. It wasn't like you lined up a hell in a cell and yeah. then a championship match here. And to get through only seven matches in two and a half hours, they had to bring back King Kong Bundy to face the Undertaker. They had to bring back Bob Backlund to face Bret Hart. And they had to bring Lawrence Taylor in from retirement and jail, basically. <laughs> To face Bam Bam Bigelow, who, all due respect, and as much as we praised him last week for being one of the most athletic big men in the history of the industry, like, he should not be main eventing WrestleMania right. against an NFL player. For sure. And and then it goes off the air with, like, no fanfare. The match is just, yeah, over, just over and there's no music or nothing. Yeah, I noticed that, too. And I'm looking at this and saying, all right, I get that you don't have nearly as many pieces to play with here. Like, you don't have Hogan. Warrior's gone. Savage is gone by this point, And they're, they're all wrestling in WCW. Um... 
Triple H had not come out of the scene as a star yet. Stone Cold Steve Austin had not come on the scene yet. That was in 1995 later on. So, like, you're definitely right in the middle of you're done with the Hogan era. You haven't emerged into the Attitude era, and you just don't have many stars on your roster. I get that. Mm-hmm. But you still have Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Bam Bam Bigelow versus Undertaker. Could have been an amazing oh, match. Sweet. Yeah. Like, think point. about could you have good built point. Bam Bam Bigelow versus Undertaker and let those guys just go crazy? Two of the most athletic, skilled big men ever. Yeah. Let them go 15 minutes and just tear the roof off the off the arena. And yeah, and I would even add like one, two, three kid and Razor Ramon. Like those yes. were still like I mean mid card guys at that point, but guys who could be escalated up to the top level. Top level. Right. Why is one two three kid? Maybe he was injured in this one, but yeah. like he should be wrestling in a match for sure. He's not injured. One hundred percent. And like Lex Luger and British Bulldog are still pretty big stars. Yeah. And those guys are just like a random tag team of let's put two guys that are that like are part of allied countries together and have them come out. And face the Blue Brothers. Yeah, who the hell are like, those guys? What? Never heard of them. Never heard of them. I don't. So, I don't know, yeah. man. The whole thing, like, there's like <laughs> Owen Hart, Yokozuna versus the Smoking Guns, legit match. Yeah. Razor Ramon versus Jeff Jarrett, legit match. Diesel versus Shawn Michaels. At least it's a legit match. The other ones were just like thrown together with dudes from ten years prior right. or guys that that were irrelevant six months later. Is there a more steroid-ridden tag team than Davy Boy Smith and Lex Luger combined? <laughs> because, like, oh my God, like, and those two dudes are massive, absolutely the massive. Only one I can think of is didn't Dino Bravo and Hercules weren't they a tag team at one point? Like those guys were eighty steroid guys. Okay, but you're right. Like British Bulldog and Lex Luger. Holy cow. Yeah, I, I think Lex Luger's still kicking. I think he's still alive. He's still alive. I know, I know the British Bulldog died in like early 2000s, but yeah. but my God, like th- those two dudes are just absolutely gi- They have muscles on their muscles. Like I'm pretty sure they can't put on a normal t-shirt. It, it's insane. Watching them come out, I was like, these two dudes yeah. are way too massive. So the other big theme here, in addition to just like, this is the low point of the WWF. They don't really have top stars. Diesel was a big guy who could move, but like he was still just two years into his WWF career and he hadn't become the NWO Kevin Nash that we now know today. Right. Like he became this big star. They were trying to turn him into a big star. Uh, Psycho Sid, by the way, like, was he injured? Like, could Psycho Sid not have wrestled at this WrestleMania? What am I missing here? I know. Like, could it have been Psycho Sid versus Razor Ramon or something? I don't know. Yeah, it would have been nice. So I just like not using some of these guys, but the biggest thing happening at this time during the wrestling era of the 90s, WCW, I don't think they had not started Monday Nitro yet, or if they did, it just started in like 1995. So they were just starting Monday Nitro. I actually think it might have been after this. It was like later in that summer. Okay. And the first ever episode of Monday Nitro was actually at the Mall of America yeah, yeah. in the middle of the rotunda. But but WCW was quickly becoming the main attraction in professional wrestling, and then they would go on for 83 weeks in 1996-7. Yep to take the Monday night ratings uh, over. And at that time, WCW had Hulk Hogan. WCW had Randy Savage. uh, Ric Flair had gone back to the company. And they were about to get both Razor Ramon and Diesel to start NWO in 1996. Luger was on his way there, too. Luger Luger, was going back. Luger makes the appearance at MOA. That was like the big draw there. Yep. He was going back to WCW. And so you just like this, when you go back and watch this, it's like, man, you can see the WWF just dying yeah. and trying to hang on to old things and, and grasp. And WCW just kept loading up on talent. And it was this way, like this version of WWF lasted for another year or two. And they brought in Stone Cold, but 
Like it took those guys, it took Stone Cold and Triple H a couple of years to really figure out their characters. Yeah. So, um, and then like the Undertaker, think about like how amazing the Undertaker was athletically and as a character in this time period. Yeah. And two years before her, so WrestleMania nine, he's like emerging into peak Undertaker, right? And he wrestles giant Gonzalez to a weird no finish. Yeah. He's injured for WrestleMania 10. And WrestleMania 11, he's back, he's healthy, he can carry the company, like he's this he's this wildly popular character. Right. Let's dust off King Kong Bundy from the 80s. Main evented WrestleMania 2 and bring him back. Like, I don't know, I could just keep ranting about how awful no, this sure. WrestleMania is. But. And like you, like we said a little bit earlier in the show, like there is definitely guys you could still build around. Like if you would have went Undertaker and Diesel, that would have worked just fine. Undertaker and Bam Bam Bigelow, that would have worked just fine. But yeah. to bring back... King Kong Bundy's Bob Backlund, like I, and then throw together these hodgepodges of the Blue Brothers and the smoke. Like Billy Gunn turned out to have a great career, but like who the hell are the Smoking Guns? Like what the hell is this going on? So this was I. I didn't think it'd be this lowly and this poor of a note. And I can't. I know we're gonna get into Michael McGivern's notes here that will kind of explain the backstory of what the hell happened. But I mean, there is really only one match here that like I know I said my favorite match was the tag team, but I mean the. Outside of the Shawn Michaels Diesel match, and Shawn Michaels was coming off his, his first of consecutive uh, Royal Rumble win, wins because he won the Royal Rumble that year too, which I went back and watched a little bit too because he survives number one and goes all the way the, the whole yeah. distance and then comes up short at, at the championship match. I mean, outside of that, this WrestleMania is is it's awful. It's the worst yeah. that's ever been. Yeah, yeah. It's um, and to put a cherry on top too, Vince McMahon. This was I think this was. Either that, no, Vince McMahon still did play-by-play for a couple more years, too. He definitely did play-by-play. He's so bad at play-by-play. He's play. not good at play-by-play, no. Oh, and he just and he hogged it because he wanted control over everything in the storylines. Jerry Lawler is great. Yeah, and, you're, and you're getting, like, peak Jerry Lawler here. Right. He's emerging into his own. But Vince had this thing with every near fall. Every near fall, it was, one, two, and we got a new champion! Oh, no, no, oh, no. 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 One, two, and a new intercontinental. No, nope. just shouting like every every time there's a pin, he thought like, "Oh, it's over!" Right? Yeah, he was bad just at ridiculous. it. Ridiculous. Not good at it. Uh, did you notice in the Smoking Guns versus Owen Hart versus Yokozuna match? So Yokozuna had not been around for a long time. He had peaked and he gained like a hundred extra pounds. Oh, he weighed yeah. over six hundred pounds. He was huge by the end of the match, and he barely did anything. By the way, so he goes up and does his bonsai drop, and then gets kicked in the face, and he's just like out of gas. Out. So he gets kicked in the face. So he lands the bonsai drop on, I think, Billy Gunn. Gets kicked in the face by Bart. And then goes and tags Owen. And Owen comes in. And at first, Owen was going to, like, do a move or something. But I'm watching. So what happened was Owen just goes and pins Billy Gunn, and yeah. the match is over. That's it. It's just sort yeah. of weird. I remember like, that, yeah. Pins him, and the match is over. Yeah. But Yokozuna was too tired to even get out of the ring. He just stood in the corner. He didn't even get out of the ring. So he makes the tag, and in his mind, he knows, like, oh, the match is ending because right. he knows the match, he knows the finish. And so rather than, like, get out of the ring because the match is going to continue and I need to get out of the ring because I just tagged out, he was so tired and blown up and 600-plus pounds out of shape, he just leaned on the top rope from inside the ring with his back to the camera while the match ended. And Owen Hart celebrates and grabs the belts, and he, like, couldn't move. Oh my! Took God. him like three or four minutes before he finally turned around and held up the championship belt. Yeah, you could that tell. Was kind of it. You could tell he was a lot slower than the previous WrestleManias. Obviously, he was substantially bigger. But yeah, he was not the same Yokozuna he was just two years prior. Yeah. Uh, what else? What What other things stood out to you? What did you think of 
Shawn Michaels versus Diesel as, I, as a match. I honestly, I did love it. I thought that was a, a good wrestling clinic. It was typical big guy Diesel trying to beat up on little Shawn Michaels. And Shawn Michaels at that point, like, I know his, his persona is always like, oh, I'm just going to survive this match and I'm going to kick you in the face and then I'll hopefully win the match. Which but, he did, by the way. Which he pretty much did. He should have got the pinfall, but the referee was out twisted ankle. Er, Earl Hebner is uh, out with a, yeah, a bum ankle in, in the corner. And I thought that match was really cool and I loved how that the whole Pam Anderson, Jenny McCarthy thing, because he was supposed to rock out with Pam Anderson, because uh, I think the, like he earned the right at some, I think, like a house show or some Raw, I think. like He earned the right to walk out with Pam Anderson, and then all of a sudden he comes out with Jenny McCarthy instead, and Pam Anderson is on the arm of Diesel. Yeah. So like there was definitely a good amount of intrigue there, and the match was really good. And I liked that. I thought that was, I thought that was like, okay, this is a really good championship match. It goes 20 minutes. There's some drama. Shawn Michaels should have won, but then Diesel escapes with the win. But the whole card itself was such a snooze fest. So like it, I think it took away from what it was a really good match between Diesel and Shawn Michaels. Yeah. It's definitely not one of Michaels like four or five best WrestleMania matches, but it was good. Like it was passable and it was 20 minutes. He's just an amazing worker. Yeah. Psycho Sid, I think is one of the more underrated characters. Like, when Psycho Sid was cutting his promo, and actually we'll play a couple of these, but when Psycho Sid, near the beginning, um, I think it was uh, NYPD Blue Guy, Nick Taturo, yeah. and Jenny McCarthy, and then Shawn Michaels comes and does the charismatic thing and yeah. trash talks, and, then, and so it's kind of a fun mood, and Jenny McCarthy is kind of laughing and loving it, and oh, Shawn Michaels kind of cute, and then Sid comes in and cuts his crazy Psycho promo like he always does. Yeah. Diesel! Yeah. You know, he's just freaking out. I can't wait to get my ass on you! And, yeah. and then Jenny McCarthy is just in the corner, like, doesn't know what to do. She's like, <laughs> is this real? Like, yeah. who is this freak show? Uh, the promos were pretty on point, though. Don, I got a question to ask you. Where's Pamela Anderson? Oh, don't worry, Tricky Nikki. I know where she is. <laughs> where is she? She'll be Johnny on the spot. But this, is the, this is the day she's been waiting for. The chance of a lifetime. The chance to walk the heartbreak kid to the ring. What's better than that? I'll tell you what's better than that. Nick. Walking out with the heartbreak kid as the new World Wrestling Federation champion. You know, they say that Sid's not going to be involved, but I've already played that role. I know exactly how Shawn Michaels thinks. I know what his game plan is. I'm not buying it. He wants a war. He's got one. Big Daddy Cool came here to do one thing. And that's re- to hold on to this belt. Let me <laughs> tell you something, Shawn Michaels. In a few short seconds, Big Daddy's going to walk that aisle, and he's going to show everybody why he's the World Wrestling. It, that sounds like I'm like maybe cut some things together. No, he like he's trying to remain cool like Diesel is, and he's then he clearly fumbles his line, yeah. and then like because this thing is like, oh, I'm Big Daddy Cool, I'm Coom Calm Collective. Clearly, something clicked in his brain. Like, oh, it, I messed up the promo, yeah. so now I'm just gonna start screaming. Yeah. And then and then by the end, he's like, and uh, and then yeah, it'll be cool because I'm the winner. Like, I'm cool, yeah. And like, I'm right. sure Big again, Daddy. like Vince McMahon probably in the corner were just like, what is happening right now? Yep, so bad. Uh, the Awful. the main event, Bam Bam Bigelow, again, just like he's underrated, but also like shouldn't have been main eventing WrestleMania 11. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Bam Bam Bigelow against Lawrence Taylor in a lumberjack match. And you had Chris Spielman was one of the lumberjacks. Yeah, Reggie that. White was a lumberjack. You had all these notable guys and then various random wrestlers from like Ted DiBiase's stable of bad guys or whatever. Right. Uh, Ted DiBiase was like, for some reason, the heel stable manager guy at that time in WWF. But I actually thought it was sort of a passable match. Like Lawrence Taylor hit some actual moves yeah. for a guy. Ordinarily, when you bring in a non-wrestler, like when they did Big Show versus Floyd Mayweather, and they've done a couple of these other things, they usually keep the non-wrestler out of like a one-on-one wrestling situation. It's kind of like 
there's gimmicks around or whatever. And obviously, like, the Lumberjacks were a gimmick, but Lawrence Taylor had some legitimate moves. He bounced off the ropes a couple times, but his finisher was just, like, a flying forearm off the second rope and a pin, and then the match was over. And that, like, I I feel bad for him, but, like, that horrible attempt at a moonsault from Bam Bam Bigelow towards the end, too, (laughs) is just like, oh, God, like, that is just the cherry on top of of a bad pay-per-view. Yeah, like, he he, he didn't, like, fully commit to the moonsault. Yes, yes. He just kind of... He probably also didn't want to kill Lawrence Taylor. That, that is also, I think, a, a relevant thing. Taken a moonsault before. Yeah, it's just like uh, everyone always gives crap for Charlotte Fair, Flair because she can never pull off the moonsault. Like she does it every match, and she'll never be able to like actually. She either lands back on her feet, or she doesn't land on the person, or she her misses legs, completely. Her, like, legs yeah. break you know, someone's she's nose. six foot, so she has these long legs, and yeah, it, it reminded me of that. Like, oh man, that moonsault <laughs> is really tough to pull off, and only a few can do it. Yes. Um, but this was like, this was Vince McMahon has always been obsessed with celebrities and stuff. And yeah. this was his probably most prominent attempt at just padding a show with celebrity, 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 Hall of Fame football players, uh, two of the most popular women in pop culture, most popular kid in pop culture, uh, USA Network show here over there. Just like, just, <laughs> just beef up as many people on that payroll as you can with celebrities. So here's some notes from our loyal listener and wrestling fanatic friend, Mike McGivern. I'm just going to read through some of these. Okay. WrestleMania 11 is a terrible show, and this is the lowest point in WWF's history business-wise. The show had only seven matches, comes in well under three hours, and has plenty of empty seats visible to the viewer. LT is regarded as one of a top handful of players in the history of the NFL. Of course, he had a myriad of off-the-field problems, which is what made him available for something like this <laughs> in the first place. Um so what was supposed to happen here, I'm just going to read through this too. Bam Bam Bigelow, who had a good career, would eventually be another casualty of the WWF's backstage politics at the time. He wasn't tight with Shawn Michaels and his buddies. He wasn't close with the Hart family. And he didn't hang out with Undertaker and his crew, which to, to which I would say, Bam Bam Bigelow, do a better job of kissing ass behind the scenes next time. For I sure, guess. dude. Uh, yes, he got a WrestleMania main event, but Michaels, Bret Hart, and Taker were all very protective of their top spots. Bigelow's career peaked on this night because the top guys made sure he didn't infringe on their main events again. And I know that Bigelow wrestled all of those guys, but Bigelow was such a skilled big man, and he could cut a promo. Like, he wasn't a disaster on the microphone. Yeah. Why not spend time pouring energy into building him up as a monster heel and having him face Shawn Michaels or something, having right. him face Bret Hart? Imagine him and Bret Hart going at it for 20 minutes. would be great. I mean, like, the match would be epic yeah. if the characters were built up. But I don't know. Sometimes Vince McMahon just like didn't get behind certain wrestlers. Yeah, so. I, I, clearly the politics played a large part. And you know, like I, I get it. Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, even even Bret Hart. You know, like they, they definitely had their politics at the time and, and were the top dogs. And there was a point I know too from other documentaries and other things I've seen where you know, t- like Shawn Michaels at this time, like if you weren't riding with him, he, you were you hated him. Like uh, behind the scenes, like he was a dick basically. Yes. You know, like yeah. for the lack of a better word. And if you weren't on his side, then he, he eventually you, you had to be on his side or you weren't. And then eventually he had his like come to Jesus moment. And when he had his first retirement, lost the smile, all that fun stuff and really kind of figured out his life and realized, like, oh, I'm acting like a jerk. Yeah. And the lost the lost your smile thing is uh, I think that was in early. I'd have to do some go back and look here. I think that was early 1997. Yes, he he didn't really hit rock bottom until after the back injury knocked him out in 1998. And then he continued on doing pills and certain things. And he finally had like his 
no pun intended, come to Jesus life moment right. in like 1999, 2000, somewhere in there. And then made his return after four years in 2002. Mm-hmm. But what we're watching here, despite the WWF hitting its low point, what we're seeing from Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels is their peak. Yeah. Or, yeah. or close to it, like them For emerging sure. into their peak. Yeah. And unfortunately, Bret Hart's peak didn't last as long as it probably should have because he took a nasty, I think it was a kick to the head from um, from Goldberg in a WCW match in like 2000 and basically ended his career. Oh, okay. Like, I didn't know ended that. his career early. Hmm. And we'll get to some of that stuff. Um, according to Mike McGivern, the main event was going to be Shawn Michaels versus Diesel. But Diesel slash Kevin Nash wasn't drawing at all as the champion as attendance was down across the board at house shows with him on top. And so Vince McMahon was apprehensive about giving Diesel and Shawn Michaels the top billing for this show. Having a star like John, uh, like, sorry, having a star mm-hmm. like Lawrence Taylor atop the card garnered the mainstream attention McMahon always wants for the biggest show of the year. Uh, did you know that Bam Bam Bigelow was a bounty hunter before becoming I, a wrestler? I did not. I saw us noted about that. I did not know that. That's great. But he would be, a, he'd be a great dog, the bounty hunter kind of guy. I would he love would. to see it. Pat Patterson was the first ever WWF Intercontinental Champion in the 70s. Yep. And he's been one of Vince McMahon's lackeys for, for years and years. Yeah. And, uh, and so once in a while, you'd see Pat Patterson refereeing a big match because he oftentimes would script out the big matches with guys like Lawrence Taylor who are inexperienced. And so Pat Patterson scripted out the main event and also because they wanted things to go smoothly in the ring, he was the referee. They didn't make mention of it like, oh, special guest referee was just, Oh, Pat Patterson's the referee. Sure. He's not a normal referee. And so he called spots in the ring for that main event and told each guy like where to be in certain situations. And um and he, he also ref the main event of WrestleMania one, which had Mr. T, an experienced Mr. T. So we could say, Hey, Mr. T, get over here. Right. Let's go kick you in the face in the corner over there. Um the road dog. So the road dog makes his debut. That's right. WrestleMania debut here. And uh, and he continued on with the roadie gimmick for two or three years and then eventually connected with Billy Gunn after Billy had left the smoking guns in like 1997, I want to say. It's like late 96 or early 97. Those guys connected and became a tag team. And then you know the New Age Outlaws yeah. became a thing. Um, what else? Any other notes here? Uh, McMahon wanted to recreate the Honky Tonk Man character, which is what Jeff Jarrett was supposed to be. I, I never got into Jeff Jarrett. I know, like I know his thing was yeah being this country guy and smashing guitars over people's heads, but I I never got it. I yeah. never understood the lore of it. He could cut a promo and he could work a little bit though. Yeah, he could. He could. It was just one of those guys like you just kind of have irrational hatreds of, and uh, and I I just could not get down with Jeff Jarrett at all. Yeah. And then uh, here's the Triple H note: the newly signed Paul Levesque was backstage at this show. The soon-to-be Hunter Hearst Helmsley had left WCW in January of 1995 after he rejected a $1,500 per week contract offer that was going to pay him about half of what his tag team partner, Lord Steven Regal, was making. <laughs> That's insane. Of course, later on, the roles were reversed. Right. With those two guys. So, all right, your, match, your match that stole the show here. Uh, I mean, it was the Diesel and Heartbreak Kid match. It, it has to be. I, I, I don't know if there's any other match you can even say could not have stole the show. Just the main mm-hmm. event was uh, was too gimmicky. Like, I didn't like it. And, yeah. you know, there were some nice moments in, in the tag team match. And even, like, I like I like both British Bulldog and Lex Luger, but, like, that match didn't, like, do anything that wowed me. I'm going to I'm gonna say that Owen Hart specifically and the Smoking Guns, like, Owen and it, that, that was the one that stole the show for me. Just watching Billy Gunn and Owen Hart work against each other yeah. before yeah. before Billy Gunn became, <clears throat> excuse me, a big thing. So, uh, matches told the show. All right, definitive WrestleMania rankings here. 
So let's first give it a one through ten stone cold stunner ranking. <laughs> what do you what do you have it at? A two. A two. Two out of ten. It's a two for me too. Yeah, I mean it's 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 number two. It's 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 pretty awful. If it wasn't for at least a halfway decent championship match with Diesel and Shawn Michaels, it'd be negative one. Like I'd seriously would give I'd be that person that would give it a negative one. Yep. That's it. I mean, it's and, just the worst. It's the worst. Of all like time. it really is. And it's like and everyone knows it. It's not just like, oh, like I we had a bad trip and we didn't like watching it. And no, it was it's one of yeah. the worst WrestleManias of all time. Actually, the best part about that WrestleMania, and they didn't include it in the WWE network version for some reason, Sultan Peppa did perform yeah. What a Man as as Lawrence that was like Lawrence Taylor's music walking up to the ring. Yeah, they, and they cut, that. Yeah, they cut that out of the I don't know if they had to pay royalties or something, and so Prop, they cut it uh, out. There but was, there was, that's probably what it was. It's McMahon trying to save some money because they were like all ogling up on Bret Hart's like ripped abs, and I was like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> super weird. creepy, yeah, super creepy. So, all right, that's a wrap on WrestleMania Rewind, <laughs> WrestleMania 11, the worst WrestleMania of it's out. all time. I'm Phil Mackey. That's Declan Goff. Thanks for listening. And now WrestleMania 11 this year, starring Baywatch's Pamela Anderson. Home Improvement's Jonathan Taylor Thomas. MTV's Jennifer McCarthy. NYPD Blue's Nicholas Torturo. With special musical guests, Salt and Peppa. And featuring Lawrence Taylor's All-Pro Team. Welcome once again, everyone. Vince McMahon here along with Jerry the King Lawler. We would like to thank our loyal fans for once again joining us at WrestleMania. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.